It's always exciting to me when a story of Scripture or a word of Scripture has um, some rich parallel to our own lives uh, in a very current, contemporary fashion. And I believe we have that in a wonderful way this morning uh, from the account in Acts that we have heard read. Uh, it's the account given, or it's, a, in the, it's the traditional reading, the seventh Sunday after Easter. Believe it or not, we're still in white, uh, vested in white, because we're still in the Easter season, even though it's 104 degrees outside and the humidity is 120% or something. And boy, thank the Lord for air conditioning in the south. Wow, what a gift. This passage begins actually in this way, a verse or two before what we saw and heard this morning. Jesus has been crucified here, and he's risen. And he's spending time with the disciples doing a great thing. He's teaching them. And he's using Scripture as his workbook and manual, teaching them how Scripture was fulfilled in his own life, his death, and his resurrection. The Lord is among them again, physically present. We have heard resurrection stories since Easter of these tangible encounters as they eat together. Uh, he invites them to touch him, that he is truly risen, a resurrected body and spirit Nothing symbolic or spiritualized about that, Jesus is saying, and what the Bible has told us, and what the witnesses have told us is, no, he rose. And so what a great time in their lives when he's teaching them. And then he says, and I'm leaving you. And he says, but it's going to get better, if you can believe that. That is hard to believe. But he said, it is going to get better, because I will always be with you, and I will send my spirit to be with you, in you, and even upon you, he says today in today's reading. So it begins like this. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, this is the risen Lord eating with them, he gave them this command, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. He's been teaching about the Holy Spirit. He's been explaining to them what it may feel like, look like, and how he might be beneficial for their lives and for ours. And he said, the contrast is this great. John baptized with water, great conversion experience of renewal and returning to the Lord uh, through that act of baptism to say, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, and let me start again. He said, John baptized with water. Yeah, it was really rich and good. I did it myself, Jesus may be thinking. But in a few days, you will be baptized, immersed, in other words, with the Holy Spirit. Very unclear phraseology there. Holy and pneuma, the holy breath, the holy wind, the Holy Spirit. It's the best we can do in English. And so then we have this wonderful little digression. Disciples like us are interesting sheep wandering a bit and said, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom? Are you coming back now? I mean, is it all going to happen now and you're not even going to leave? And uh, I like words like this from Scripture because I believe this word and a few others, you can make a very clear case that nobody can predict the end of time who's living on earth. And the gentleman in California who said it was going to happen on whatever it was, May 20th, with that kind of specificity, and Jesus tells them here, he said, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. He said, don't be distracted by that, and don't be misled by that. On another occasion, he said, um, it will happen when you least expect it. 
So if you're expecting it, I'm thinking, well, it wasn't going to happen that day for sure. Because it's going to happen, he says, when you least expect it. So um, we're told to be faithful, expectant, and to wait. But we're not told for how long or when it will be. He gets back to what he wants them to hear, not worrying about things like the end times. You will receive power, though, when the Holy Spirit comes on you. So he has said, wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the Spirit that I've been teaching you about. Don't do anything until he comes. And then he says, you will actually be changed when he comes. You will not be the same person before as after. You will receive power. The Greek word is dunamis. Great Greek word. Uh, we, uh, the word dynamite comes from the Greek uh, dunamis. Dynamic comes from the Greek word dunamis. You will receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Earlier he had taught and said he is with you and will be in you. Now he says he will come on you. He will come upon you. I would suggest that's three different very gradual kind of uh, degrees of events and experiences for our lives. The Spirit with us, the Spirit within us, as well as the Spirit upon us. That they all mean something distinctly different, different shades of meaning of the Holy Spirit's variety of religious experiences, as one author described this. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And there's a purpose given here next. And he says, and you will be my witnesses. That's a great purpose. Ambassadors, Paul says on another occasion. We are the sent out ones ourselves to be witnesses. Here he says, in Jerusalem... One concentric circle in Judea, another enlarged concentric circle a little further out, and Samaria, a larger concentric circle that now includes those who are culturally different and even there's alienation between Jews and Samaritans who lived in that Samaritan area. And he says even to the ends of the earth, the large concentric circle that takes in the whole Mediterranean and then takes in uh, the whole Asian continent and Australian continent and takes in... One day, the North American continent, he says, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? Well, witnesses that Jesus is the Lord of life. Witnesses that Jesus and his spirit make all the difference in the world for our lives. Witnesses that, uh, thank God, I ain't what I used to be, and I'm excited about what God's going to make me into in the future. Witnesses of what God has done just this morning, or yesterday, or this week. To others, you will be my witnesses. Tell folks. I'm, I'm thinking that, that there's a lovely event going on in, the, in Honduras and in Lamb Institute right now. And that we have, um, thinking especially of some of our teens that have gone, and there was a whole handful of them, 12 or 14 teenagers, along with that mission trip. And I can just see them among the orphans of the Lamb Institute, children who have not known mother or father who have been embraced by the love of Jesus through the ministry of Lamb Institute and Susie, the director. And then these witnesses sent out in the power of the Spirit from Somerville to the ends of the earth, to Honduras, to bring the love of Jesus to these precious children who have only experienced brokenness and hurt in their lives. And of course, you know what will happen. The love of Jesus will flow from those children that they are giving ministry to, right back at them, if you will. And they will also have that encounter that 
among the least of these, they encountered Jesus for their own lives as well. And that's to be our story also. Jesus says, wait until the Spirit is with you, in you, and upon you, and then go out to be my witnesses. Jesus leaves. It's called the Ascension. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes. I love mystery in the Bible. The Bible does not try to explain everything. Some things you just have to accept, and there's a mysterious little event here because it's simply saying, yeah, there's the natural world. There's a tangible, physical world that's very real. Uh, Stephen Hawking says that's the only real world there is, and I simply, Stephen Hawking is dead wrong uh, about that. He's dead wrong about God. He's a brilliant scientist, brilliant genius. And the most brilliant people in the world can be dead wrong. And uh, here uh, the Bible is very clear that, yes, there's this tangible natural world and there is another reality and there are spirits in this other reality. It's a spiritual realm. It's a supernatural realm. Some people describe to say there's something different. Some people call it a transrational realm. The idea that something beyond thought is more of, of a, it's something that is more mysterious than that. And here we have one of these supernatural events that just are put in there as a, well, of course this happened. Things like this happen, especially among God's people. They're looking intently up into the sky as he was going. So Jesus in some way is leaving from them and they are seeing this when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Now who in the world are these two men dressed in white standing beside them? I suspect, I don't know, I suspect they are angels. Uh, the Bible and the story, the account given here, all it can say is suddenly there are two men dressed in white standing beside them who tell them, men of Galilee, why are you simply standing here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you. So this is a message and angels, in fact, the word angelos means messenger. They're giving a message to them, these this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go. So something to look forward to someday. We say in one of our Eucharistic prayers, Christ has died, Christ is risen, and what do you say? Christ will come again. Um, and so we're living between the ages of his first coming and his second coming, and Jesus says, but I won't leave you abandoned in this age between the times my spirit will be with you, in you, and upon you. And you will be my witnesses. And so, in perfect obedience, they returned to home base, to Jerusalem. They joined together constantly in prayer. The apostles, the women, the mother of Jesus, Mary, and his brothers were there as well, James and others, constantly in prayer and waiting. We do this in a wonderful liturgical fashion as Episcopalians, as Anglicans, in that uh, we have heard this reading post-Easter, post-resurrection, and next week, Pentecost. We remember that on that Jewish feast day, something extraordinarily different happened to those early Jews, and it can happen to us as well. The Holy Spirit was with them. He came into them and he came upon them on that day and ignited their hearts and lives. And then they realized they couldn't help but go out to be witnesses. 
in the power of the Spirit. They simply could not help it. They had to share the great news and the good news that everything Jesus had taught them was true and valid. And you, we all need to know that and hear that. So, brothers and sisters, this is 2011. It is a particularly unique and wonderful year for the people of St. Paul's. Why? I don't know why, but I do believe God has declared it so. And the fashion in which he did it is this. I suspect it went something in this kind of thought pattern. Um, I really appreciate your good works. You are a community with great social ministry from the medical clinic to um, the Meals on Wheels to Honduras and Haiti mission trips to the long list of ministries we support in the Somerville area and beyond all the ways and places where we do that. He said, that's well and good. And he said, and um, I like what you do at worship. Uh, It's very rich. You do liturgy well, people of St. Paul's. You worship with your heart and minds and bodies in a lovely way. He said, but there's one thing you lack, people of St. Paul's, I suspect is what the Lord was giving to us. And he says, back in the old days, you Anglicans, go back a few hundred years, you were very powerful as witnesses. In fact, you changed whole cities, whole nations once upon a time by your witness. And it was carried to the four corners of the earth because not only did the sun never set on the British Empire as Anglicans, the word of God was brought to every setting around the world. He said, but it's gotten kind of rusty and dusty, you good Anglicans, that witnessing effect and ministry that you did so well in the past. And I believe what the Lord was saying is, in 2011, I have a bigger plan for you. I'll give you the prayer of Jabez. I'll give you a vision and a mission out of your January covenant. And I will give you a year to do this, and I'm looking forward to seeing you accomplish it. Now wait, receive the power, and then be my witnesses in Somerville, and in Dorchester County, and in the Charleston area, and wherever you get sent, be my witnesses in the power of the Spirit. Why? Because there are those who have lost their faith. They don't believe in me anymore. Why? There are those who used to be part of a church family, and you could call them the de-church. They simply don't make it anymore. There are those who no longer are part of my body. They have chosen to live separate and apart, and it grieves me. And he says, I want you to find them, because once upon a time, you Anglicans, you were really effective and powerful with this. And I believe you, the people of St. Paul's, have been getting ready to do this, and you are ready now. So remember Covenant Month. We invited us to take a journey together as a team to choose Christ was the first task, and that was to say, perhaps choose Him for the first time, but simply invite Christ into our lives in a new and effective fashion. And we said a second step of our covenant this year was to receive the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit permission to do something new and more within us as a community and individually. And then the third one was under the heading of be an evangelist. Not like standing on the street corner evangelist, but like what Jesus is talking about right here. Be witness to my truth and my life and my love because there are those who need to hear it and they won't hear it unless you speak it. Help me out. 
help us out. And the prayer of Jabez, which perhaps some of you are still praying this year, I am, O oh Lord, that you would bless us a lot indeed. And Lord, enlarge our territory of influence. That prayer goes. And remember the third line? And Lord, would your hand, that your hand would be with me. Hand is a wonderful biblical metaphor for your spirit, your power would be with us. And Lord, keep us from evil that we would not cause harm, not, not to do damage, but to do good. I believe where we are now is once again seizing the summer to be a time of waiting. And it can be active waiting. Now, I know this is easy, you may be thinking, for me to say, because part of this waiting is rest. You say, well, yeah, Mike, you're disappearing for a while. How about us? We've got kids camp and reading camp. But we've got June and July and a part of August. And when those things wrap up and other commitments that you have made, find a space in this summertime for rest. We do that really well in the South. We have our beaches and we have our water, and we have our mountains nearby. So seize this opportunity to live into this passage we've heard this morning. Go and wait in Jerusalem. Active waiting, which would include not only resting, let me give you another offer, another R, reflecting. It says, Lord, how am I to be a witness in this year? What you have talked of and we have talked of in the past several months has been to make us more effective as witnesses. So this reflecting time can be, and Lord, who is it that I am supposed to speak to? Would you make that person and hopefully persons known to me? Is this somebody that I work with? Someone in my neighborhood? Is this someone in my family? Is it my spouse or a child of mine? Is it a grandparent or a grandchild? Lord, help me to discern who it is you have chosen for me to be a witness to. Rest. Reflect. Think about, what are you going to say? How shall I say it to this person? What do I need to give them that they might know God's love through me? Give them a hug, a smile, a book. An invitation, preparing all along for what is ahead of us. The second half of 2011. And whatever good work God has begun in us, it's supposed to be finished by December, was a deadline he gave to us. I was really struck just a few weeks ago here at St. Paul's it was confirmation morning, and um, that is potentially a large service. But it also is sometimes not so large as you would expect because it's often at the end of April or in May, that confirmation time, and people are simply gone. And so we have had moderately sized confirmation services. Um, people gather for confirmation and others away. It did not happen this year in 2011. And for the first time, I believe in our history, this parish hall and this place of worship had more people in it than on any Easter or any Christmas. We have 503 people in here for worship in this one service. 
And we had a wonderful 8 a.m. gathering of the family. And we had a wonderful gathering at 1045. We had a huge Sunday of people coming to worship in the springtime when people are usually flitting and flying away and taking a break. I believe that's the Jabez prayer being answered. So what's the fall going to look like? Well, you can read about it. You saw it on the internet or in a letter already. A little redundancy here. You have it in the Sunday news today. Let's make room for what God's going to do. Adding a fourth service. Haven't, done a, haven't added a new Sunday morning service in probably 40 years when we added the third service. A fourth major service on Sunday morning because God's going to bring people for these chairs and for those pews. Wow. And Sunday night, I can't wait. Sunday night with a simple meal to gather to eat some pizza or a hot dog or a burger and then opportunities to grow in our knowledge and love of the Lord at the end of the weekend, at the end of Sunday. Children, youth, adults with various offerings, small group settings. Wow. Looks like a great fall just with those kinds of opportunities. And Lord, am I supposed to use these reflecting? Am I to use these and invite someone to something like this, something new and different? I think he's probably saying, yes, if you want 2011 to be what I have called it to be, the Lord is saying, yes, bring them in. Bring them to me. You will be my witnesses in Somerville, in Dorchester County, in the Charleston area. And like the early church's explosion, people drawn in with joy and expectancy. I believe that's what the Lord wants to have happen here this fall. So let's take a rest this summer. Let's uh, take some time, though, active rest of reflecting, being equipped for the task in the fall. And let's pray together about this this summer and say, Lord, oh, that you would bless us indeed and enlarge our territory of influence for your gospel. Only with your spirit can we do this, Lord. Only with your spirit in us and upon us can we do this, Lord. So make it happen in this time of waiting. A Sunday from now, we will celebrate the first Pentecost when the Spirit fell with such incredible, mysterious, wondrous power upon God's people. All through the centuries and ages, there are stories of the Spirit's falling fresh in you again. And may the Spirit also have plans for us in this season. As we come into August or early September, may we emerge from this season of waiting God's timing is impeccable, but I expect a special anointing this fall that will just really set our hearts on fire, where we'll just say, we've got to tell that person about the Lord in some way. It's going to be great. This is 2011. This is the year of our Lord's favor upon St. Paul's. And proud of our social ministry, proud of all the ways that we um, worship and carry out the tasks of this community, and the Lord says, now, this is the muscle to strengthen. It's your witness muscle. You once were the best at it, Anglicans. Let's do it again in Somerville. Are you with me? Can we do this? Right? Yes? Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let's